Today's episode is brought to you by the Fleshlight, the Bob and Kevin Show's very first fake sponsor. Okay, it's it's really not. The thoughts and opinions of Bob and Kevin of the Bob and Kevin Show are exclusively the thoughts of Bob and Kevin and not the thoughts of their employers. Past, present, and probably not future. Uh, that's a little foreskin, I mean, foreshadowing <laughs> of what we're going to be talking about today, but... Uh, I think before we really get down and dirty with that topic, uh, anything new in uh, tech this week that we that flew across the tweeters or anything like oh, that for you? Gosh, probably um, nothing really jumps out at me. Um, I usually use uh, like a flipboard on my phone and like whittle it down to science and technology headlines. Do you ever use one of those things? Or I don't know, does Apple have one? Yeah, Flipboard app. Okay. Sure. Uh, yeah, it's a pretty cool little thing the one of the headlines that stuck out to me as being really kind of awesome was the u.s navy is like oh yeah those videos that leaked with the tic tac yeah they're actually legit videos there you go have fun with that oh i haven't really visited that or revisited that since we did the uh aliens area 51 and bob lazar episode uh shout out to that being our number one episode of all time i'm really getting disgusted by it but Interesting that you bring up that headline because we did talk about that a little bit in that episode and I didn't read this article. So can you give me the gist of what the U.S. government is actually admitting to? Well, so the headline is basically, yeah, those videos are real and then it kind of leaves you to fill in the blank there. But if you read the articles, they're pretty much like, we're not saying little green men are a thing, right? Or aliens or whatnot. But we're saying we have no idea what those videos are or what are in those videos, but those are legit videos. And we're trying to break down the barriers between non-government and government with reporting and whatnot. So it's very validating for a guy like Tom DeLong. Are you familiar with Tom DeLong? Uh, the name rings a bell. Former frontman for Blink-182 is now a UFO chaser. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And uh, <laughs> so I believe he was part of the group that uh, helped get some of this out there and, you know, validated and stuff like that. But when you listen to Tom, if you've never seen him on like JRE or something else, you know, we had Bob Lazar. We didn't have Bob Lazar on, but we talked about Bob Lazar. <laughs> yes, we had Bob on. <laughs> Just the other Bob. No, no we didn't. <laughs> we had the, we had yes, the Beatty Bar version. Um, Bob Lazar sounds very believable. You know, on a scale of one to 10, definitely towards the 10. Uh, Tom DeLong sounds like he's. I mean, I like Blink 182. Tom's probably a nice guy, but man, I'm pretty sure you could sell him anything. Just like Dan Aykroyd. If you haven't seen the Dan Aykroyd, Jerry, Dan Aykroyd believes in everything. I'm convinced. He's super deep in alien abduction, which is crazy. Like, I mean, he knew like minute details, and, and Joe was like, wait, what? How do you like. Is it like a hobby or how do you get so deep into that? Yeah. So, and I didn't know uh, Dan Aykroyd was one of the co-writers of Ghostbusters. Uh, I knew he was in it, but I didn't know he was a co-writer. I think Harold Ramis and he wrote that and uh, they talked a little bit about it, but you can definitely see where there's some real life tendencies in the movie Ghostbusters because Dan's totally into the paranormal. So that let's get back to that. It was on CNN, right? That was a CNN headline? For the U.S. Navy? Yes, yeah. it was. So they admitted that the videos were real. I mean, if you break that down, I mean, what's, what is a fake video? Like, are they saying that they, they, they've determined that it wasn't faked? They're saying... That this is definitely an unidentified flying they're object? They're saying that the video you're seeing is the same video that we believe to come off the aircraft. There's no doctoring. There's no denial. Yeah. That happened. We don't know what it is. That's basically what they said. And there's multiple of these videos, right? Like oh, yeah. More than one pilot has seen the quote-unquote tic-tac. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And um, it, it's kind of cool that we're kind of finally like past maybe some of the government perceived bullshit, but we still don't know, right? Um, this the, the more pragmatic view of that is, is it's some sort of um practical lens effect or some sort of whatever it could be some sort of russian thing or chinese thing you know just you know the way we do cloak and dagger with 
Oh, we'll get to the Chinese a little later in the episode. <laughs> okay. um, and the Japanese, too. But I, I think it's interesting that, that they say, oh, well, you know, yeah, those, those videos are real. And we have really have no idea. Because it, the reason a lot of times the governments don't like talking about it because it might reveal vulnerabilities in your defense grid. And well, sure, so there's that. But do you think this also, like, I mean, doesn't this generate a very slippery slope in giving, like, Bob Lazar a ton of credibility? Um, yes-ish and no-ish, because they're, they're, they're both shades of blue, but they're definitely different hues. You know, I mean, it's kind of in the, it's, <laughs> it's in the realm, but it's still, I think, enough division there where I don't think it validates one another. Really? God, I I think it gives him a lot of credibility because he was talking about stuff like this and they kind of brought up the the Tic Tac as anecdotal evidence and all of a sudden now that that's kind of validated that it's that we definitely don't know what it is, but the videos are not doctored because a lot of other like UFO videos, most of them have been debunked because of, you know, they figured out it was a guy throwing a paper airplane right. or something and, you know, all, you know, all made up footage, but that's a big deal for them to say, yeah, we're pretty sure that this is legit of something. I was watching the Dan Aykroyd, Jerry and Dan's like, Hey, look at these pictures from like the 1960s. And this this one guy has all these pictures over the decades. And then Joe's like, wait a second, you're telling me that, one guy happened to always have his camera and happened to always have the optimal camera angle to always be there to take all these pictures. And Dan's like, yes. <laughs> and then I saw a few of them and I swear to God, it looks like somebody's holding a, like a, like a, like a cooking pot in front of the camera. You know, it's like, look, <laughs> it's an alien. I'm like, mm. and Joe called bull crap on it. Oh, I thought it, I thought it was pretty funny when Joe was like, "Hey, did you know that I used to host a show called Joe Rogan Questions Everything?" <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Nick Bostrom was on Joe recently, and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" You know, we totally just brought him up in the Matrix episode, and it, it got really frustrating for me though because I think Joe just did not understand the basic premise that it's possible that you could your current reality, we have no frame of reference that we're either in a simulation or not. And Joe's like, but we're not, I understand your argument, but we're not. <laughs> it was just really frustrating because I'm like, this could have been an awesome episode, Joe, but you just didn't get it. And it was so disappointing. Oh, I have to tune into that one. Usually he's pretty like mind expanded and is down for entertaining stuff like that. It's interesting that he shut it down so quickly. Well, it was at the two hour mark and the show really went nowhere after that because Nick just kept trying and trying and trying to like choose different analogies and metaphors. And Joe's like, always comes back to, I understand what you're saying, but it's not what's happening. I mean, it's just like, Joe, if you understood, <laughs> you wouldn't never mind. So, well, I think Bob Lazar on their show, they talked about that if they were living in a, an alien simulation and he didn't seem to do poo poo it too much then. I got to be honest, man, the more uh, we talk through the simulation argument, the more I don't, I don't like, like get weirded out or anything, but the more I like, I watched a bunch of, um, debates, atheist versus Islam, atheist versus Christianity. Just, you know, like, okay, let's, you know, let's hear it both sides. Let's go. Let's duke it out. And I keep thinking, man, maybe, maybe the simulation argument resolves both. Meaning you're looking at two sides of one coin. And the scientists are on one side looking at the pixels of, of the world and the, you know, the right. religious folks are on the other side going, great. Yeah. But what's well, the existential bits of this? And everyone could be right. And it's like, like the creepiest thing. I'm like, oh, this is, this is way too like feasible, like amazing. So shameless plug for two of our episodes, aliens and uh, enter the matrix course. If you watch the alien one, you'll join a bunch of other people because that's our number freaking one podcast of all time. What do you think, Bob? By far. Two to one. Two to one over its next closest listens. So, yeah, I don't want people to think that this is going to be a recap episode. Uh, it just kind of 
is where the conversation took us, but I, th- I think we have definitely a, a sexier topic for <laughs> today's episode. I love these segues. You are listening to The Bob and Kevin Show with Bob Beattybar and Kevin Gisheski. Each week we cover relevant tech and social issues related to technology. Our website is bobandkevin.show. And our episodes can be found virtually on any podcast network. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Just search for Bob and Kevin Show. today well kevin today we're taking a good hard look at the tech of sex um it's a topic that we've kicked around for a very long time and until very recently i think we were both a little um a little afraid of it a little timid uh kind of like uh virgins i guess we just didn't really know how to handle it um but today we're going to kind of take a walk through how uh, the the adult, the porn industry has kind of led the way in some technologies, and then we're basically going to bridge an entire gap all the way to covering how AI is being integrated into the sex industry. So, uh, I am Bob from the Bob and Kevin Show, and that other guy who kicked us off with the, what are we talking about today is... I'm Kevin. All right, so... Um, Full disclosure, I did um, an immense amount of research uh, on this topic, which is kind of funny for me because I'm usually the one that's not super researched. But this one's been really intriguing to me for a very long time. So, um, Kevin, if if you don't mind, I kind of wanted to start, because you and I have talked about this one uh, many times, of how the uh, porn industry kind of is an innovative cutting edge resource for a lot of our web technology would you would you agree with that i would 100 percent agree with that in fact <laughs> to <laughs> i like your little puns you had in the open there <laughs> i totally noticed several things there so to continue that so that i believe the porn industry is on the tip of the spear if you know what i'm saying they are <laughs> we're gonna giggle way too much during this the tip of something i think that was an exact pickup from the last episode yeah i, I mean uh, so i'm not sure we want to go into like where is porn's place in the world because i humbly think it's just it's a vice there's good to it there's terrible to it it's kind of like gambling in my way i am looking at a website called enough.org and the porn and you know it's they do porn and uh, all kinds of stuff and have all these stats because i have some stats to go over with you um it's here to stay whether or not you agree with it don't agree with it, it it's not going anywhere anytime soon but yeah i think uh the porn industry is has to deal with scaling on levels that we don't really uh deal with on a day-to-day basis and yeah so back to you well i think i think most of our um most of our modern day video streaming technology and e-commerce technologies can probably be directly linked to the adult you know web industry because basically once they started getting into that technology the video like the 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 traditional porn studio of old kind of really evolved in a very rapid pace. And uh, yeah, I think we have a lot of those technologies related to e-commerce and video to thank to that, uh, that industry. I also wanted to say that, you know, we're probably going to bleed into morality of some of these things from time to time. And, and culturally too, a lot of my research, um, the U S is not, we're very puritanical i guess from my research um we'll talk about a couple documentaries that i uh, peeped and uh and kind of where the u.s wasn't even really mentioned so it's all very interesting that, um, wait a second so you did you know well real quick uh point of clarity on that yeah you're yeah. saying puritanical because all the stats i'm looking at it looks like the united states is the number one consumer of pornography we might we might be the number one consumer of visual pornography online, but when we start talking about um, sex toys, bots, and dolls, um, 
you, this is it's going to blow your mind. <laughs> well, so I'm going to make a prediction. My prediction is it's going to be because in America, sex is taboo still very much so, I think. And outside the borders of our country, you'll find a lot more where it's less taboo. And it's more just matter of fact. It's just whatever. Right. Yeah. And there's some really interesting stuff in one of the documentaries that I watched um, culturally, especially related to Japan and how um, people aren't coupling anymore. Like the birth rates are incredibly low and there's like this fear of the Japanese culture and I guess race or is Japanese anyway, but um, extinction was one of the lines used in one of these documentaries. And some of that they're attributing to the access to these dolls. So you're saying possibly in Japan that you're having less human human relationships and more human and non-human and that correct i don't want to make that sound like innuendo like like some sort of robot or something right 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 and these are not purely physical relationships so it's yeah i was just like my jaw was hitting the floor for many hours in the research on this but um i think before we we really you know drive headlong into that um i wanted to talk a little bit more about like evolving from the online unless you want to go over, you have some stats apparently well, so do you want to talk still more about the online porn yeah usage? i just want to rattle off some stats i want to preface all this with it's you don't go to getpornstats.com so you know getting these reliably is a bit of a i'm not sure you know so take i think pornhub publishes theirs so it's actually freely available to look at pornhub analytics so in aggregate i was trying to figure out how much how much pornography traverses the internet you know on a scale of zero to a hundred what percent and bob do you want to take a guess maybe you already found out in your research well i was going to say are we kind of measuring this up against youtube because youtube is like a massive amount of percentage of web traffic um uh, uh, yeah i'm gonna so guess it's web close traffic. to f- yeah i'm gonna go 41 percent uh you're not terribly far off everything i found it's about 30 percent. so about one oh, that means right. one in three visits to something on the internet or one in three resources accessed is to an adult now is that globally or is that uh u.s only i believe that's worldwide but again here's okay. where, where i'm like i don't want to i don't want to certify any of these stats um i do have some porn hub uh, stats apparently um uh, over the course of 2018 you want to guess how many uh visits in 2018 porn hub amassed in one in year one year oh god it's got to be measured in billions give me a number bob 48 billion visits. I still think you're within uh, within a statistical anomaly or uh, error there. 33 and a half billion, which is 5 billion more than uh, the previous year. And uh, the daily average is about 92 million visitors. So if we just kind of think about that for a moment, that's a, that's a scaling issue. That's a lot of resources. And I don't know if you've noticed, Bob, but the porn industry is going to a free model. For the most part, there are still pay services. I have friends. I have friends who have told me about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, but uh, that begs the question of: Wait a second, Mr. Tim Cook of Apple says, if you're not paying for the product, Bob, you, what? You are the product. That's right. So you got to kind of cock your head and go, "How are they monetizing this, Bob?" <laughs> Wait, what do you what do these, you have to do with your these, head? That pun was not <laughs> intended. <laughs> Maybe it was a, a subliminal one. So, Bob, how do you speculate they're making money? Well, they're doing the same thing that YouTube does, that Facebook does, that all the tech giants are doing. They're using data and I believe that they're ad supported. There's promoted content. Um they do they it's I guess it I would say from what my research has shown, it's a freemium model. So all those sites like a Pornhub, I think there's a PornTube, I think there's a YouPorn, um, all of them have a free, you can view, browse, watch for free, but then they do have premium subscriptions as well. So is that is that the freemium model? I don't know if I ever use that correctly. 
So the answer is anyone in incognito mode on Chrome still can still be fingerprinted and the the, uh, the website owners would still know, could still amass what you're into, air quotes, and for whatever reason, attribute it to your machine. And be- Oh, really? Oh, yeah. And because of the way Facebook and others have pioneered fingerprinting, all they have to do then is correlate your fingerprint of your computer with one of your legitimate websites that you might go to because... There's no such thing as, you know, well, I only exist on this site. Now I go to that site. Now there's different. Well, the whole double click and Facebook has broke that barrier down. So once your once your browser is profiled, um, they can easily attach a name to that. So there you go. How come? Wow, this is going to deviate just a little bit. But how come we hear about Facebook and other entities and their data seepage or straight out selling it, but we haven't really heard anything about the porn industry and their data selling. It almost makes me feel like the porn industry has better privacy practices than Facebook. And that just- They're sounds... more ethical? Could, could, could we say that they're more ethical yeah. than Facebook and YouTube and Amazon? <laughs> At this point, I would say yes. I mean, when it, when it comes down to it, Facebook- is loud, obnoxious, and can't keep a secret. Whereas the porn industry is much more discreet, in my opinion, and, can, and is much better at just just worrying about whatever. And now, of course, we've come from 20 years of sketchy websites and viruses being associated with porn. But I think the porn industry, honestly, has cleaned up their act quite a bit. What do you think? Well, I think that they probably have as well because they see the revenue potential of, you know, the data collection and the advertising model. Um, and I guess another reason why maybe they aren't so leaky and selly of the data is probably because it's a pretty closed network. It's not like you're going to see a Tupperware ad on <laughs> Pornhub. It's going to be another adult industry type advertisement. Like the Fleshlight. So, like the flashlight, yes, our fake sponsor for today's episode. Um, but I've actually never, I mean, my friend has have never actually seen uh, ads for flashlight either. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, me either. Uh, so my my air quote friend. Um, <laughs> so, so. Um, all right. So that was a very long runway to say that the adult industry is kind of bad reputation as it gets, and trust me. Um, it has a bad reputation. Oh, side tangent. Right, do you know who Mia Khalifa is or was? Yeah, was. Well, she's she's still alive. She's retired. Oh God, I was gonna say last <laughs> okay. I checked. And, Let's clarify. And she's actually gotten she's gotten out of porn, right? She's some kind of business mogul now. Or yes, something? and she recently wrote some stuff on her experience in the porn industry, and she only did like a dozen videos. And she got paid a thousand dollars per video, so she's rich, right? Wow, I thought she was far more pro- prolific than that. No, so apparently she only made like twelve grand in the industry, and no residuals, no nothing. I saw another stat where the porn industry makes three thousand dollars a second. So uh, apparently the actors and actresses um, get paid a fixed amount, no matter, and no residuals, no no uh, royalties. Um, an industry where women actually get paid more than men, but I'm sure they're exploited a hundred times more than the men are. Wait, so you mean that those videos that play like 33 million times on like a Pornhub, there's no like commission to the nope to the company that owns the video, which would then give a commission to the performers? Oh, that could happen. The, um, okay. But the performers, a standard... Because I I looked it up, googled this. I'm like, so what does a uh, what does an industry person make? And it's about a thousand a video, and it's a one time fee. And that's where you know if you're 18, 19, 20 years old, and somebody comes at you with a thousand bucks, you're like, yeah, I'll take a thousand bucks. Not fully realizing the consequences of that, not fully realizing that you know that if you're gonna do that, that's fine. But 
the better play here is actually probably get an agent and do all this. And of course, the person trying to give you a thousand dollars is going to be like, oh, whoa, whoa. it's kind of like one of those lawyer commercials. Oh, no, they called Glazer and Ebbs, you know, to the insurance meeting and you know everyone gets, you know, like scared and and you know, we better we better act up. So I think there's a lot of exploitation there because I think the good business model, the healthy business model would be, well, here's a fee and here's a residual. Because A, you're not always going to be capable of making these videos and and C, what happens when you put a video like that on the internet, Bob? How long does it stay on the internet, Bob? Forever. Yes, it does. Ever. ever. So I would honestly but wait. Well, go ahead. Isn't there a new like are these would these be films of the traditional like direct to DVD type, direct to VHS type that have made it into the digitized world? Because I feel like and this could be a misconception of mine, and I didn't research this aspect of it, but I feel like the new, the free versions of these sites act in a way that YouTube actually does. So you would have like, you know, if you have 3,000 subscribers and 10,000 hours of viewable content, then you're getting a slice of, you know, an advertising revenue. I guess, is that a misconception on my part? Or? Um, let's just put that as an unknown because I don't know. But but even so, when the filmmaker, the directors make these videos, they're paying their actors just like a, a somebody who would be in a film. And it's whatever deal you cut with your actors is the deal. So some actors like a Tom Cruise in a traditional movie is going to be like, hey, I want 20 million plus I want 1% of the box office because he's got clout. But when you've right. got a 19-year-old man or woman come in here and somebody says thousand bucks, take it or leave it. And they, you know, are like, hmm, I mean for like an hour's worth of work. And they're like, yeah, that's it. Thousand bucks an hour. You know, sounds really good. Right. And then that's it. They shove something in their face. They look their driver's license, hopefully check the you know, age verification and all this fun stuff. And then boom, you know, they're gone. See you later. You're in the biz now. And then it's a, it's a usually up in, spit you out kind of industry from what I see. I feel like there's, I feel like there's gotta be, cause I know on Pornhub there's a huge amateur like library. Like they're not, they're not brought to you by film house, you know, ABC. So like, is that just a hobby thing for people or are they generating revenue from uploading their video? <laughs> well, I'm sure there's people like into that, but you know, the, if, if the smart play is to, make your own videos and own your own rights. Ask Taylor Swift how that's working out for her in the music industry where she doesn't old or own her old master recordings because that's another kind of slimy business industry where they're just like, oh yeah, we need you to sign up for the, your next 10 albums and, you know, we take, it or, you. take it or leave it. And then later on, you know, looking back, it's like, why did I sign that up? Oh, it's because they preyed on me. And there's a lot of that, I think, in the adult film industry. Sure, you've got some big name actors and actresses that can probably name their terms but you know what's the, that's a very small percent and the rest of them are probably you know do a handful of videos like Mia Khalifa and then that's it you're done you're out you're back to being normal and good luck um good luck with so she that. did a, how crazy is this though she did a handful of videos or two handfuls 12 we'll call it and she's almost a household name well, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I mean, well, that's, that, what does a what does a household name qualify as in the adult film industry? I mean, <laughs> yeah. But that's very interesting. So technically, she made twelve thousand dollars in the industry, yes. but yet so many people know her name. That just the proliferation of video online—that's just crazy, right? And but she's. I mean, I think she's doing well to to pivot her case into you know maybe something that she can make outside the business but i would say without guarantee she's got more views on those 12 videos than we had on our you know 40 youtube i uh, I, guarantee, episodes. I guarantee it <laughs> but what i'm saying is is there's probably more people who are used by the industry than that are you know using it to their advantage i'm, I'm there's right it's a it's a typical one percenter situation the people at the very top of the industry, the distributors probably are the ones that are making the big case. Yeah. All right. So take a step or two up. Um, so that's a lot of video. It's a lot of views. It's a lot of infrastructure. I want to know if AWS or Azure hosts some of these things. I don't know. So is that something that you ran across? 
I, you know what? I didn't really look at the background tech of um, the web industry, the the adult web industry. But that's a really good. Um, it's a really good question. I would even venture to say maybe the porn industry was probably the early testing grounds of this distributed computing and you know uh, cloud-based infrastructures. I would have to guess because I mean they're under a constant DDoS, really. Yeah, you know, I'm trying to Google it and, you know, it's just one of those things. It's, I mean, it's a whole freaking industry that nobody talks about in the open, yet it requires a ton of infrastructure. There's some consultants. Yeah, nobody talks about the tech backbone. Yeah. Where are the consultants and the geeks going, yeah, I'm a senior dev. Uh, Where do you work? I work at Pornhub. Oh, yeah. Uh, You know, I mean, you just don't run into those people. Maybe I need to search some more on Google and, and follow because I have real questions about these things. I mean, Netflix, did Netflix go, hey, we're starting to have some scaling problems here. Hey, let's 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 call somebody over, you know, in the adult industry because you know what? They've been here, done that. And or or did they, you know, be like, no, we can't do that. Kevin, got a question for you. You ready? I'm ready. All right. If I asked you, did you know that there are actually uh, phone-based apps that you can use to control um, vibrators? Did you, <laughs> were you aware of this? <laughs> I was not aware, but I am totally not surprised. So we're kind of taking a step up the ladder. So we talked about the web-based stuff. Um, now we're kind of going into the app realm and trust us, we we're, we're really are getting to robots here eventually, but it's kind of like this evolutionary thing. Um, so yeah, so there are um, underwear inserts or body inserts that can be purchased that are actually connected to an app and those um, massage units, vibrators, sex toys uh, can be used, can be controlled uh, either by yourself via the phone. So, or your partner could have the app and actually um, change the settings or turn the thing on or off uh, remotely. So, yeah, th- that technology is out there. There can't be a huge appeal. Like, we're not talking like mass market here, right? This has got to be a niche market. Uh, vibeease.com is a website that is all about the, uh, it's got tons of different vibrators, but their big thing is the app controlled vibrator. Paired with our power, yeah? I have questions. (laughs) Oh, okay. So instead of reading all the description, yes. Shoot with your questions. So question, curiosity number one, because I'm just gonna ask without going to the site, just out of, you know, I just wanna be completely blind when I do this. Is this app available on Apple and Google Play? Uh, I believe so. Hang on. Let me see so if I see sh- the icons on screen. Uh, yes, it is in the Apple Store, the Apple App Store, and on Google Play. Can you tell me how many downloads are? Because <laughs> that's going to be uh, insane. If, if I go to the App Store link, will it tell me? I believe so, especially on Google. Uh, yeah. Android. All right, let me let me click through here to see what it says. Uh, it's on the Google Play. It has 747 ratings. Uh, it doesn't tell downloads. It just shows how many ratings it has. Okay. It's got so it's- three and a quarter stars. <laughs> <laughs> so... Does the world need a Bluetooth-enabled vibe garment bob i don't it's it's web enabled it's not bluetooth enabled because you can do it over the world wide web well yeah but something i mean you don't have a web server in your crotch is what i'm getting at it's it's gotta be you know like near like your phone or something well i guess it's yes it's bluetooth triggered from the phone you are correct so it's connected to the bluetooth now here's a really nice feature that the app has the app has two-way video chat integrated. Isn't that nice? No, this is horrible. <laughs> this is <laughs> this is 
you know, this is the uh, Jeff Goldblum, you know, maybe rather than think about whether or not we could do something, whether or not we should do something from Jurassic Park. Just saying. Here's another nice feature. Say that you don't really have a partner and you just want to sit down with a nice glass of wine and listen to some nice music that will trigger vibrations. It can actually be, it can be triggered by music as well. So if we apply Occam's razor to the vibrator industry, <laughs> I think this is over-engineering a lot here. Can't we just go with a more traditional solution here, Bob? Do, do we have to internet all uh, of things, all the things? That's all I'm asking. Well, I do think that this is a step along the way to that fully realized AI sex bot that we'll get to eventually in the episode. I promise, I promise, I promise. But... You know, those things are thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. This little vibrator and app combo, uh, not a not a big expensive ask. Um, you know what? While we're on the topic, you know what Amazon oh, has wait, 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 wait. Uh oh. You can even have the, the vibrations controlled. It can be synchronized to an a naughty audiobook. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. What does that even mean? <laughs> He's supposed to okay, I never mind. Never mind. Don't so, answer that. So there's <laughs> there's specific audio titles that are uh vibe ease enabled. And so basically there's certain parts of the story where certain things are happening and that must trigger a vibration sequence on your device. Do you know what do you know what Joe Rogan uh, uh, taught me recently by watching one of his pods? There is Sasquatch what? erotica <laughs> books in this universe. Yes, That's I right. saw that episode as well. <laughs> oh my god. What is wrong with you, humanity? What is going on? Okay. So oh, uh, oh just wait. We'll we'll be diving deeper into that issue too. Oh, deeper, just what we need. So hey, you know it's waterproof and USB rechargeable, so that's great. Well, thankfully they thought these things through. So one thing that the internet has also enabled in this realm is like Amazon has got a whole adult store for all of these sorts of things. So distribution of these things is like enabled big time by say an Amazon because I mean if if you're going to like some weird creepy site, you know, to buy these things, your level of confidence that you're getting a virus is not very good. But if you buy uh, a Bluetooth enabled vibrator from Amazon, you're like, hey, you know, why not? You know, 10% off. You know, let's do it. So, totally legit. Yeah. So, okay. Just, just wondering. Yeah. My search history is trash right now, just for the record. I'm going to have to totally just bleach it. Yeah, like seriously, if the cops come, you've got a lot of explaining to do. You've you've got to get this pod published so you can be like, no, no, really. I was doing it for this podcast. And yeah, yeah, just. It's uh. all above board. It's all research. So, you know, so we have the remote controlled, uh, well, iPhone or Android device controlled uh, vibrators, um, sex toy. So if we move over the spectrum, I sent you this link the other day, the uh, Auto Blow AI. <laughs> My God, this is this is for this is for the men out there. But we'll get to the ladies here in uh, just a minute. Um, but this was a um, Indiegogo, so basically a GoFundMe type, uh, like a project. Kickstarter, right? Kickstarter. That's what I meant. Kickstarter project. Yes, and. Uh, they're on version 3.0. The video is hilarious. You sh- everyone should look it up. I'll put the link in the uh in Is it the, safe the for work notes. video? Um ish. <laughs> I mean, based on what it is, I would imagine probably not. So in the video, they had their researchers watching, I think they said they watched 16,000 blowjobs online. And what they were able to do is figure out <laughs> data points, and they were actually able to record data points from these 16,000 blowjobs that they watched online. And they integrated those data points into the AI for this auto blow AI. And I think that there's something like 60 different presets or something ridiculous like that. Bob, um, I, have, I have a question. Yes. 
Does it use blockchain? It is not on the blockchain yet, but uh, I believe that uh, that's only a matter of time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> how much? How much would you pay as an early backer on Indiegogo for well, Auto Below AI? I will be on record saying I'm not in the market, <laughs> um, but based on what you're describing. I don't know. You know, when you throw AI on there, the marketing department's like, that means we can charge more. Um, it's a physical device, right? Yes. Um, well, yes, it's, it's a very it's a very physical device. Let me ask you this. Is it like talking to a server somewhere? Is there like some sort of connected service? Because it's using AI. No, it's, it's onboard. It's onboard AI. So the chip has all the um all the AI online which you can basically experience 10 different real blowjobs powered by artificial intelligence. This, again, I, I, don't, I don't see why people just don't walk out their door and say hello to somebody. And just, <laughs> why are we staying at home? And never mind. Okay, how much? You asked well, me how we'll, much. We'll get to that later. We'll get to that later. Wait, first of all, I need to correct a fact that I stated. They watched 8,333 minutes of oral sex video. And they were able to determine how to extract data from that, which is crazy. I mean, there's actually some, it's an interesting page. You should look at it for the science of it. There's no dirty pictures. Um, You're going to have a a link in the show notes, of course, right? Yes, I will put a link in the show notes so everyone can go check it out. Um, They're on the final stage of the uh, Indiegogo for version three. And... Uh, the only one that you could, there's only two left and it's $179 as an early backer. Do, do we know how much version one and two cost? I don't see pricing for er- version one and two. The funny thing is, is I don't actually think there was a version one. I think they started with version two. So that means okay. version one must have been tragic. They have raised <laughs> um, $747,000. By nah. 5,706 5, backers. Bob, I have two questions for you. <laughs> Shoot, um, I'll do the best I can. D- do they say if it's TSA approved? Will this make it through security? Uh, let's look at the FAQ because they don't advertise that it's... Um... And then, oh my God. then secondly, is it rechargeable? No, it actually has to be plugged in. But you could draw on some serious amps then. Nope. You can't even get a battery for it. It has to be plugged in when you're using it. And the cord is only 10 feet long. That sounds dangerous. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, you can't use it in the bath. Um, Mm, mm, You can purchase extra sleeves. So that's nice. (laughs) Can't use it in the bath. That's a deal breaker. (laughs) I would assume this has come with like a warning label, like this is not intended to be shared or anything. <laughs> Please. Well, that's why you have replaceable sleeves. Then you no, could, you, know, I, like, you and a buddy could chip I, in and get one together. There shall be no sharing of this thing. <laughs> I forbid <laughs> it. Oh yes, there are so. Yep, we got. We're gonna get in so much more stuff here. Um, Please tell me we've we... done a disclaimer at some point. Oh, I think I got to run it really early. I think I yeah, did run yeah, it really okay. early now that I'm thinking about Good deal. it. Um, we might even need to have a trigger warning at the beginning. Um, <laughs> so it's interesting. You know, we've been talking about the web. Now we're getting into these sex toys that are remote controlled or have AI on board, AI chips. Um, Wired Magazine, actually, um, beginning of this year, it was around CES time and CES apparently is giant for sex technology as well except for they're really apparently down on women's sexuality so there's not like a huge they basically long story short I'll put the link to this article in here too but they um they basically have relinquished all the sex stuff to a different part of CES. It's not integrated the way it used to be, but apparently it used to be pretty well integrated. Really? Yeah, I've learned a lot this week researching this one. (laughs) 
um, random thought here. Do you remember in like 2011 or something that uh, the top new top level domain at that time was triple X, so dot XXX? Yeah, I do remember that. I don't think that's caught on, has it? I mean, we, I mean, not as like a primary domain because pornhub.com and, you know, there's, it's not pornhub.xxx, right? Right. I think that, that probably because of the whole like SEO juice and stuff like that, it's just, you know, it's such a unique, what, whatever you're, they You're call telling those me things. Google might downgrade your domain if it ends in triple X? I, I have somebody that I can call and ask about that because I think he was recently, well, we had him on the show, Kevin, big Kevin. Right. Um, with MVP sports and with social imposter stuff. Um, but he was exploring domain names like that. And he was told that there's some SEO issues and things like that. I think, uh, individual stars, performers might use the triple X domain. I don't know. We'd have to ask him for sure. He would know a lot more about it. I think the whole top level domain thing is just kind of a nobody really cares. They just want a dot com or dot edu if you're a school or dot org if you're a church. I mean, it was very limited. Well, right. And it just, right. But that's a whole nother topic because, you know, basically all the other top level domains just get you access to stealing somebody else's brand. Basically, if you can't get the dot com, we'll go for the <laughs> dot info or the dot store or the dot, you know, fill in the blank. Or Bob and uh, Kevin. Dot show. Dot show. Yes, we are a dot show. <laughs> <laughs> and the dot com. Yes. Well, we're Bob and Kevin dot show, but then we're Bob and Kevin show dot com. Just to cover all of our bases. I think it's maybe just a big, big racket by whoever collects these fees to be like, oh, you're going to need to buy all 12 just in case. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's definitely something to that. And like I said, maybe that's a whole nother topic for us to cover. Um, so... Um, sex toys. Yeah. So they're all over the place. They're becoming more technology integrated. Uh, I found a, so we had the auto blow AI. There's also, um, female version of a similar sex toy that actually has the ability to lick and suck. And that is digitally controlled. Um, I think it's when you start to get all those parameters, they have to move to a different UX. So the phone makes a lot more sense. I don't know. I don't even want to imagine what the test lab looks like. Well, it's What's funny the that QA you should bring that department up. Look like that? It's funny that you should bring that up because I found a couple documentaries really focused on um, sex robots. And one of them is called Sex Robots and Us. It's actually like a little 35-minute documentary. And this guy basically travels the world visiting these various sex robot factories in interviewing the masterminds, the geniuses behind the technology. And uh, I'll definitely put a link to that one. Um, the other documentary that I watched was called Substitutes. And I want to actually start with that one because this is more focused on like the real doll type thing. It doesn't really have the AI focus that uh, the sex, sex robots do. But there's an entire industry, and it's kind of technology-based because it's about the modeling and the production and the skin and the facial features, you know, all that stuff that, you know, people kind of freak out about Sophia the robot because she's so lifelike. Well, these dolls that are made um, and focused, this documentary focused on their access and their uh, proliferation in Japan. And this goes to what we were talking about earlier, about uh, the Japanese, there's concerns. Their birth rates are going down. People aren't coupling as much. And now there's this thriving industry of these dolls. And so people will companion these dolls instead of companioning with other people. Hmm. And it's not just the sex aspect of it. They, this guy wheels, like in the documentary, this gentleman is wheeling his doll into a karaoke bar picks her up, carries her in, puts her on a stool. And the um, the bartender at the karaoke bar gives him two drinks, one for himself and one for his companion. So not only is it this weird, well, not weird. I don't want to say weird because I don't understand it. This interesting relationship between the human and the doll, 
but the social acceptance of these relationships is also completely mind blowing. I'll go ahead and call it weird. I'll, I'll put myself <laughs> out there. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> and here, out here, I need to take a position. My position is, I I don't know that the public aspect of this is at all necessary, and I would say it's got to indicate some sort of disorder medical disorder where whether it's like some sort of social anxiety some sort of anti-social behavior etc so i'm not dismissing like the discreet do what you want aspect of it but taking it out in public it's a whole new level of weird man well and i can totally get behind that but one of the things that kind of kept ringing through some of the other research in the in the documentaries was the disturbing aspect of like, if it's kept behind closed doors, what are people doing to these dolls? Like how deviant and will that damage their ability to have healthy sexual relationships in the real world? So that was like a reoccurring theme. And so when I saw this about what's going on with Japan and about the openness of it, I kind of felt like maybe it was less about the sex. And so maybe not so deviant, but it's still interesting slash as Kevin puts it weird. Kevin said it was weird. I didn't. Um. <laughs> just a, just a comment on like the deviant. What are you doing behind closed doors? Well, it kind of, and it doesn't damage real relationships. I would say the answer has got to be yes on some levels and it's got to be helpful in some levels. So just like internet porn, it's, it's got some good to it and it's got some absolutely horrible to it, which is why I label it like a vice. It's kind of like gambling. It's kind of like alcohol you know, yeah, you can reason it's good on this hand, but then you can reason it's really terrible on this hand. So I'm not so sure you can vilify somebody for, for having a life-size sex toy, if you will. Um, and for those like me who think it's really weird, I, I think you got to pump the brakes on calling them deviants. Because, you know, if, if we were to be, if we had the thought police in real world, we'd all get the chair, man. We're, we're all getting the death penalty. <laughs> so yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. So what you do behind closed doors, I think it holds a little bit of special um, exception to whether or not you're weird or not. But going out in public, we have social cues. We have social norms. These aren't, I mean, you can certainly challenge those. People do it every day on Twitter or not in real world, challenging the social norm. That's fine. But society can also uh, clap back at you in the, in the same breath that you can try to change your social norm, but society can try to resist you. So, yeah, I, I think that's a little weird. Well, it's interesting that you bring up um, the social norms because one of the things I've never been to Japan and it's actually on my list. But apparently from what I've been reading about this aspect of culture, they have very different social norms than you and I have, or that we have here in the States, I guess. So that was kind of an eye-opening um, part of this research as well. Question. Have you seen Whitney Cummings' latest Netflix special called Can I Touch It? A, I'm happy to know that I know who Whitney Cummings is, thanks to Joe Rogan. B, no, I have not seen the Netflix special. So one of her bits, so she was on Joe Rogan and she brought her custom-made sex doll that she had made for her bit, like this is like she spent, I think she said a hundred thousand dollars making this bot. It looks just like her for the most part. Looks I mean, just like her. Yeah. Yep. So, but one of her bits was is that don't we find it interesting that young men have to practice sex on women? And she was saying, wouldn't it be ideal if they could practice sex on something like one of these dolls? And she said, and here's the kicker. You get the sex doll when you hit puberty. And then when you reach the age of 19, 20, 21, whatever, you know, pick an arbitrary number to deem men are fully formed. You have to turn the doll back in. And the shape that you turn the doll back in dictates what happens to you at that point. You're either integrated into society or you're thrown, you know, into the hole, basically. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Wow. She had some very, very, very progressive thoughts on the doll, but that was one of the funnier ones. And I was like, ah, all right. I could see that, you know, being a measuring stick of sorts. So 
Oh. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure I can get behind uh, any of that, but now I'm curious. Now I got to go watch. Yeah, it's she's pretty funny. I mean, she no holds barred, but uh, yeah, no, because she integrated the bot, that was something interesting for me to watch. And so that kind of, so we have these real dolls that we talked about and that, you know, how they're so openly accepted in, in Japan as being these out in the real world companions. Um, which we've identified as being unique and interesting. Well, um, the other documentary that I watched that was talking about the AI integrations with these dolls. So you could go out and buy one of these dolls from anywhere from like three to $6,000 for one of the silicone-based, non-interactive, you know, they're basically just posable dolls. Well, the next step up from there is they've taken the bodies from these dolls and then replaced them with animatronic... Um, and AI, I'm doing air quotes, AI-driven um, technology. So basically they're charged, they have onboard computers, and they can, they basically perform like uh, one of your voice assistants, a Siri or an Alexa, what have you. Which, um, <clears throat> you know, and I've that's seen, the one that Whitney has. I've seen several people kind of clap back on Alexa and Siri because they're female voices, Cortana, same thing. They're all feminine voices. A lot of people will say, ah, you, you know, what are they supposed to be your slave? You know, because they're female voices. So I can see um, people not liking social norms when you have a robot companion. And even having one behind closed doors, I can see people thinking how that's it's like one of those, you know, Timmy killed a frog when he was nine years old and he took pleasure in it. You know, it's like... It, right, it's like, is that one of the warning signs? Exactly, um, and I, I, I wouldn't talk anyone out of like maybe doing an extra background check on that person. Uh, I got a dog bark in case you're wondering in the background here. Um, so, um, yeah, uh, inevitably, I think we are going to move towards a model of society where we have artificial intelligence, and because. 30% of our traffic of the internet is purely sex related and humans are just very much, that's kind of one of those needs um, that humans have. It's very natural. I think that technology is going to continue to shape the sex industry and the sex industry will continue to shape technology. And um, I can't, push back too hard on the fact that I think as we get more sophisticated AI and robots, it won't be out of the question that you won't see. It. I mean, it won't happen in my lifetime. I don't think, I just don't think we're going to be there, which is fine. I don't need one, <laughs> but who knows? No, but I mean, maybe in a lifetime and a half, probably less than two. I mean, think about it. We've talked about on episodes before, like how AI, most of the AI that we've discussed is going in a very much of like a problem-solving direction. And the, we you know, keep bringing up the fact that, well, where does, where does it be, have emotions? Where does it understand the human aspect of being human? And the AI developers that, especially if you look at this, um, the AI Sex Robots and Us, or the documentary about Sex Robots and Us, the guy, one of the developers that they talk to He's just like hyper-focused on AI only as it relates to expression of love and physical contact. So he's taking this whole outside approach, outside approach in air quotes, than what we normally talk about. In one of those days, those things are going to converge. So can you imagine a future divorce proceedings? Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, you have irreconcilable differences. Um, Mrs. Smith, you've listed here that your husband has had an affair with the artificial intelligence robot nanny. Um, Mr. Smith, do you, do you wish to say anything for yourself? I mean, it's just, is this really the bananas world we're going towards? It, it seems to be the nat, the next natural, which is weird, um, natural slash unnatural progression, because since the dawn of time, Mr. Smith has been cheating on his wife with the human nanny. So it would only stand to, you know, to play out that he's gonna, he's gonna bed the robot nanny. I mean, do we get to a point where it's not cheating? Cause it's an AI, you know, I mean, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. Well, I think Whitney talked about that on Joe Rogan because she said she, 
jokingly said she got it for her husband, even though her husband wants to have nothing to do with it. But, you know, so I don't know. It's so weird. So, Bob, put on your black mirror cap. I just put on mine. In the future, um, everyone has a AI bot in their house, kind of like a Roomba, kind of like an Alexa, but it's more like Rosie, I think, from the Jetsons. I think that was the character's name, the robot. Basically, a personal assistant of the house. So it could be a male, could be female. It could be... Are you familiar with the term concubine? Oh, yeah. So, you know... There's, but who would just, bring a full featured robot into a family? Like, why would that be the family assistant? Because the sales I think you could leave those bits out. <laughs> well, well, the sales of it would be this person could help with chores around the house, help mow the grass, do the laundry, help with dishes, you know. And and hey, for an extra two thousand dollars, it's fully functional. Wink. Yes, fully functional. So wink. Exactly. there's a lot of problems there with relationships plus the sheer number so there's seven billion people in this world and uh, i don't know how many of those are first world and i don't know how many of those would have enough disposable income but that's a lot of bots roaming this world at some point and there's your now the bots take over and they they use humans because what have what have we said from the Joe Rogan and Marshall forget his last name Lewin or McLuhan? Oh, I think yes. I actually got the name. Humans are what to technology, Bob? The sex organs? Yes, we're doing good <laughs> at this. We remember we're remembering old episodes. This is great. Yes, so Marshall McLuhan from the early 20th century had remarked that humans are the sex organs of technology. So. In a world where we bring the bots into existence, the bots now realize that they can't procreate directly. And then again, maybe maybe they can. They just need to build robot factories. But maybe they keep us humans around so they can breed themselves. So it inverts itself, Bob. This is my black. It's coming. <laughs> it's coming. Yeah. It's coming. Um, so another disturbing thing that from the research, uh, especially in these documentaries, one of the factories that makes the dolls and the AI, their um, their number one client, brothels. So they're basically so you go to a brothel, and you have the ability to sign up to be with uh, a real human woman, or you can opt for a bot doll. Who's cleaning that up? That's staff. what I'm. Yeah. Infect, staff staff infection. Uh, <laughs> 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 I mean, this is, uh, I mean, because on if one hand. If you're curious about this at all, these two documentaries, they're really, yeah. they're not well done, but they're very informative. Are they on Netflix? They're actually, they're at topdocumentaryfilms.com and they're both from BBC Network, I believe. Okay. And you can just watch them. On the, in a browser? Yeah. Okay. Uh, put it in the show notes for me because uh, definitely I, I I probably will watch. Okay. Um, how's the how's your show notes going or outline? How are we doing? We got we checked everything off or we we got more? Yeah, to cover? we got to the AI controlled sex bots and you know they're still in their early stages. Don't want to say infancy because that'd be even weirder. Um, so you know the the facial movements they're not all that high tech. I mean it's mostly just a gimmick. I think a, a really expensive gimmick, which is crazy. So just one kind of other thought here. So you and I are both fans of the show Westworld. And yes. in in a future world, that Westworld can kind of become a reality if you've never seen the show. Basically, it's bots that are storytelling and you can murder them. You can have sex with them. You can interact with them, whatever. But it kind of the show kind of shows the dark side of humanity of when you take away consequence from harming a real human being, what humans really want to do 
to another human being. And it's just very freaking disturbing. And I, I wonder, as we have more human-like AI, and even though, you know, we have these sex bots are kind of for like one purpose, maybe two purposes. Um, are we just evolving to where we're actually just kind of get or, uh, Oh, what's, uh, being, becoming the gateway drug to violence against each other. Even oh, enabling. More? Yeah. Enabling. And that was a common thread through a lot of the stuff I was reading is like, and you mentioned it early on, like just cause we can doesn't necessarily mean we should, but they keep just going. Like they become, they're just more and more lifelike and they're going to have more and more autonomy. It's going to be so weird. Well, that, that famous thought experiment, I think usually gets decided by one particular factor and it's money. Well, yep. <laughs> if we can and there's money there, then we should. Now, and then the morality never, we never get that far because we're like, oh, it's profitable. Do it. <laughs> Ship it. So, yeah. Yeah, and the creators have their own, you know, like their own stated motivations versus, you know, maybe what their real motivations are. But, you know, the one guy that was doing the AI seemed very fixated on the bringing machines to life kind of aspect of it. And this was, he felt like this was the path to doing that. It's just all so, you know. There's that God complex thing. Humanity, why are we creating AI to make the world better? Is it, or or it's so you can be the god of something? Just asking, asking for a friend here. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So, we if you've made it this far in the episode, thank you. I'm not sure where the hell this episode was going to go, especially with a title like whatever it is that's going to be something that will definitely make you click. And <clears throat> I, uh, yeah, it was kind of fun. Um, <laughs> what do you think, Bob? Uh, I liked it. I enjoyed doing the research for this. I don't know if it was the topic, but hopefully it kind of gave me a, a, you know, it refueled my passion to do some more research for episodes instead of just kind of, you know, going off the cuff. So yeah, I liked it for uh, that aspect. Yeah, it was pretty fun. I thought it was totally going to be in the gutter. So I think we stayed uh, pretty, pretty even keel here. So I think we swore less in this episode than ever too, which is really weird. Yeah, hmm. maybe we need to have like a, a like a account. So like in the show notes, you know, there was four f bombs. You know, or, nope. Or, I don't get that detailed in my editing. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of work. All right, Bob. I think we have one more piece of business, and that will be. I think we're going to bring the sex robot AI lightning. That's so weird. <laughs> hey. Have you ever wondered how you can get in touch with us at The Bob and Kevin Show? Well, first, you can try us via email at comments at bobandkevinshow.com. Or are you more into social? If so, you can find us on Twitter at Bob and Kevin Show. Or on Instagram as Bob N. Kevin Show. That's Bob, the letter N, Kevin Show. And if you're still on Facebook, you can even find us at facebook.com slash Bob and Kevin Show. And for the serious business fans... You can even find us on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash company slash the dash Bob dash Kevin dash show. How's that for a handle? Let's connect. 